everyone. Welcome to the Self-Published Wrong Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Pearson, and I'm joined today by my husband. Hi, I'm Nolan. And we are, oh yes, for this podcast, we give motivational quotes and publishing and marketing advice and tips on craft, on the craft of writing based off of good and awful movies. And what is the movie today? Return to Me. Which is a? Romantic comedy. Yeah, I would say. Okay. Um, it's not especially funny. No, I was going to say, that was actually what I was going to say. I mean, it does have funny moments, but it is, it's a great movie. It's one of my favorite romances. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Okay. You, we've watched it a few times together, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So a couple of updates. Uh, my Patreon account for my readers is slowly, very slowly growing. I'm up to six supporters now, which is pretty awesome because, you know, in the beginning when you set it up, you're like, is anybody going to do this? And then when they do, you know, it's possible that more will follow because you, you swindled some into it. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's t- that's kind of typical for authors to feel that way when they start a new venture. They're like, who's going to do this? But you get stuff. I mean, it's not Patreon just giving me money for nothing. Exactly. They're getting free stories. And I had people... They're not free stories. They are paying. They are paying. They're getting stories that they're paying for. They're getting artwork and then outlines and things like that, which I thought was kind of fun. Anyway, so I'm excited about that. I'm hoping that'll continue growing. Like I said last time, I feel like I'm on the... I'm behind, you know, because I've been thinking about doing it for a long time, but never did. There's a lot of things that I think all everybody is like, I should do that. You There's know? only so many things you can do. Exactly. And tackle the most important things first and then work down from there. And you have to decide what's most important for you. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Demon of Darkness releases next week. That's the sixth book in my Coven Chronicles. It's been up for pre-order for Next week three according weeks. to today or next week when the podcast comes out? Next week according to today and when the podcast comes out. Oh, okay. Because this podcast goes out on Thursday. Thursday. We're recording on Tuesday and Demon of Darkness releases on Monday. Gotcha. And I'm not releasing into Kindle Unlimited. As I think I've said that already, the page reads in the series died because I wasn't releasing them quickly enough and I was losing money by not having them wide. So those books are all wide now except two which are still in KU but they go out of KU this month anyway um, I do have my book bub feature coming up also next week so I think my email tomorrow I'm going to be focusing on having my readers follow me on BookBub because I don't want to be telling them next week that my book at the box set is free when I want them to be downloading Demon of Darkness so I'll be like this week hey follow me on BookBub so that when it goes out as free you know because I won't be telling you and um, Amazon changed their ads dashboard. You want to give an update on that? Yeah, there's a lot more graphs. Graphs? I like graphs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just started using it today. I just heard about it. Like, It's only been live for a couple of authors for like a day or two. That's what I'm saying. I, I heard about it yesterday, and I started this morning. Mm-hmm. So I've you know, tried it some stuff. Um, I guess the big thing is the graphs, mm-hmm. uh, the ads, uh, product display ads are becoming lock screen ads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that they're being called lock screen ads, which makes more sense than product display. That's always been confusing to me. They display on Amazon products. Yeah, <laughs> which is, I'm like, that's so roundabout way. Yeah. Lock screen just makes sense. It's a lock screen ad. Yeah, so those ads are going to expire, but you're allowed to migrate them to the lock screen ad mm-hmm. platform before that happens. Yeah. And that's it for right now. Yeah. Yep. Oh, um, oh, you can archive stuff, um, that kind of thing. 
which is nice. Oh, yeah. Tell about the glitch that happened and how it affected people. Oh, yeah. Some rads, some rads, some <laughs> ads randomly turned on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had been switch, turned off. They had been turned off when this started. Yeah. Uh, this nonsense started. So if you've run Amazon ads in the past, you're going to want to check and make sure that some of yours didn't get turned on because this has happened to a lot of authors. Yeah, I think we had like four to six. I don't know. Yeah. A few. Turn back on. Not good. Yeah, because they're spending money without you being aware of it. Right. So I shut those down or whatever, you know, yeah. handled it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I was going to start doing in my book, but promotions and more group is live videos. And my first one went out yesterday, went out. It happened yesterday. <laughs> So the topic for that was, so what I'm focusing on right now is how to be more competitive to be selected for a BookBub feature. And the topic yesterday was book covers and how to know if yours is professional or not. And I'm going to be just going through everything, starting with, you know, your product page on Amazon and going through that bit by bit and how to make sure yours is ready for a, a BookBub promotion or to even be accepted by one. And I'm trying to make sure that what I talk about there is slightly different from what we talk about here. There might be a little bit overlap, but as of right now, there is zero overlap with my first video. <laughs> so if you're not in that group, go ahead and join it. And if you want feedback on a book cover that you've been submitting to, BookBub a lot lately, uh, go ahead and post an image of your book cover and we can give you feedback and all of that. Let's go on to the quote. Okay. You always pass failure on the way to success. Mickey Rooney. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that one? Well, that that's going to be what we talk, part of what we talk about. All the time, basically. Uh, I mean, with uh, our price adjustments. Oh yeah. We'll talk about this part of my tips. Yeah. Uh, yeah, seriously though, um, you, this is the thing. Everybody's afraid of failure, but guess what? If you do not fail, it's mean, it means you're not trying. If you're not trying, you're not going to succeed. And this is, I mean, we went and talked to, um, a good friend, Alvin, a few, a couple years ago. Was it before our second was born? I think. And just, he's like this very wealthy man. He's, he's uh, created several companies and sold them for millions and he's very good with money. And one thing he talked about was you've got to be willing to risk if you want to make a lot of money and risk means the chance of failure and failure happens. And if it does not happen, then you're not going to succeed because you don't have the chance to learn from your failures. And so, yeah, that's a good quote. So you always pass failure on the way to success by Mickey Rooney. Ah, good one. Does it reply to return to me in any way? His first marriage failed <laughs> when she died. <laughs> so awful. I can't, believe I, I can't believe you said that. It sounds like something I'd say, but I didn't this time. <laughs> it's true. Um, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and go on to the tip for today. And that is we're still talking about price points and we're going to talk about testing things out. So whatever price point you choose for your paperbacks or ebooks, remember it's not permanent and it's very easy to change them. Well, it's sometimes time consuming when you've got over 50 titles, but it's one of the easiest things you can change. And as an indie author, you can actually change it. Whereas, you know, traditional public authors, they authors don't have that control or that access. So don't be afraid to test things out and find out what works best for you. And as an FYI, the point in the beginning is not to earn a lot of money, but to work on making your book attractive so, re attractive so that readers later will want to download it. So basically, you're going to be working on reviews and things like that. So it's a good time to be testing things out. And um, let's see. 
If you buy a barcode for a print book, you'll have to associate it with a specific price for that specific barcode. So keep that in mind. You're not going to be able to change that later on. And this is one reason why I don't do barcodes. I don't buy ISBNs because I don't distribute through Ingram and I don't like, um, it's just one more thing to have to do, one more thing to have to pay for, and it's not necessary. You can be a best-selling author making billions of dollars without an ISBN. And so, yeah, if you need to change the price on that book, you'll have to buy a new barcode because the barcode is assigned to a specific price point so that people and, you know, retailers retailers and all that, yeah. I currently price my full-length novels at $3.99 and novellas between $0.99 cents and $2.99. Um, I have a couple series starters that are up for free. Actually, I just have one just discern is free right now. And I think I'm just going to keep discern always at free and then keep all the rest of my series starters at 99 cents to 2.99, just because discern has that series is my flagship series, you know, until I have a new series that shows that it's going to be the new one, you know, and my print books for middle grade fantasy are 1495 and my YA are um, between 1499 and 1699 my adult fantasies are the same price basically as my YA um, oh and as an FYI having your book in print does make the price of the ebook look better because Amazon tells readers that they're saving this much you know so it's 1499 you're saving 78% you know Okay, so the reason I thought this was totally ironic, we decided this morning that we were going to talk about price, the price change that we recently did on my all of my books, and I didn't realize that to the tip for today would be on testing things out. But so basically, Nolan, do you want to explain what that what that was that we did? Uh, we dropped the price of all the books to two ninety nine. All of the single books, every single book got dropped in price, and then. Box sets for six ninety nine. Yeah, so what we did was each book was dropped to two ninety nine and then box sets were dropped so that they were two dollars of a discount. Right. And then we sold eighteen percent more books. Yeah. And made forty percent less money. Yeah. We kept them there for six weeks and I didn't tell my readers. I didn't I didn't do anything special. I did run one buy one get one free promotion, but that was a very distinct period you could definitely tell where that was going and I just discredited those books completely that were sold during that point um, but yeah what we found was that I did sell more books at $2.99 but overall we made less money much less money I mean 40% is a huge drop so yeah so we are and um, right now as we speak my editor my editor my assistant is updating the prices on those books back um, back to the original prices the $3.99 and $8.99 to $9.99 and we look forward to regaining some of those lost royalties, which, and I didn't, like I said, I didn't tell my readers. A lot of my readers said that $2.99 was the perfect price point for a book, but you know, $2.99 versus $3.99, I sold more, but it's not worth it, you know? Not enough to make up the difference. No. Yeah, I didn't sell, I didn't sell that much more to make me feel like I was reading a lot more, reaching a lot more readers. You know, 18% is not a huge increase. Anyway, so yeah, test things out. And I've got over 50 titles. If I can test out price points, then don't be afraid to do it yourself. And and things change. Uh, you need to be willing to test things out regularly because, you know, two years from now, who's, who knows what's going to sell? Okay, I think that's pretty much it. Are we ready to go into the movie? Yes. Okay, tell us the very, very basic, very, very brief summary of what this movie is about. Okay, a builder guy... Who does big Bob the Builder. Bob the Builder <laughs> uh, does big projects in New York. His wife, who trained gorillas, 
Mm-hmm. Well, one girl in specific. A gorilla. Sydney. Um, Sydney dies. Mm-hmm. And um, her heart is given as a heart transplant mm-hmm. to some random girl mm-hmm. who happens to be someone he accidentally meets mm-hmm. at a restaurant. On a blind date. On a blind date. Yep. Not and... the girl he came to meet. She's the waitress. Yep. Uh, doesn't like his date. Connects with her. Mm-hmm. Wants to see her again. Yeah. And they uh, fall in love. And fall in love, but they don't know that she he, she doesn't tell him she's had a heart transplant, and she doesn't know that it's his wife's dead wife's heart until much later. Yeah, and then that's where things get interesting. That's interesting. way way the beginning and end of that's the, the climax. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you know, they meet, they fall in love, find out that he, you know, she's got his dead wife's heart yeah. from the transplant, and then things get complicated. Yep. Yeah, so character development in this story is absolutely huge. It's one of the most important things in the story. I mean, it is a romance, but Grace, um, she has emotional healing from her physical scar and the emotional scars of her disease, heart disease, feeling like she can't be herself because she's been, she was so sick for so long and she's finally getting out of her shell, you know, um, but she's still not comfortable. She covers it up and she's not comfortable with people knowing cause it's such a special and important part of her, you know, getting a heart and having a new life. That is a huge deal. And, and it's, it's big to her. So she goes from, she basically heals from that, that, you know, and then Bob, his wife dying to falling in love again. I mean, that is a huge character journey. So what are the key things that moved both of them along in their character development? Like what got Bob to be interested in dating again or, or all of that? Uh, I mean, uh, his, his friend was setting him up with a ton of different girls trying to trying to, and he wasn't into it to be fair. They were awful. At least the one that we see. Yeah. She's yes. Um, and then, um, I'm trying to remember why did he say yes to going on the date that fine that time? It was like he was doing it out of spite almost. I guess. I, mean, I remember him calling his and... friend and oh, I just don't remember what led up to that. Dang it. I've seen the movie a billion times. Yeah. But anyway, he goes on the date and he doesn't like it. And then he sees, um, Grace, Grace. not doing anything super mean to the girl, but like it's the, great. The, the, his date was stuck up and she was like, I want bottled water, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So she fills up just a bottle of water with tap water. Yeah. And he sees her doing that and she's all embarrassed, but he didn't like her date either, his date either. Right. So he was fine with it. Yeah. I and mean, it's just a little thing. Nothing, not like she spit in her food or anything. Yeah. So it wasn't really spiteful, but it was kind of like a dig, you know? Yeah. And she was being rude to her, so he got it, you know, mm-hmm. like he didn't want to, you know. And it made him become interested in Grace. I mean, that's the very that first time they meet. Yeah. And then she gives him some free food on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from some other random person because she, she's sorry that he had to leave, but yeah. she understood. Yes. Yep. Uh, well, she's probably like, don't, don't tell your date what I did here. Have some free food yeah. and, and you're cute too. <laughs> yeah. And he left, forgot his cell phone. I know. <laughs> which is like a, a Nokia. Brick. Yeah. Like a flip phone brick from the nineties or whatever. <laughs> And then he gets it back and he's wondering where she is. Yep. He's not so subtly wondering. Yeah, he stays with the cute little Italian guys and, and you know, or gambles Irish. with them yeah. while waiting for her to come. All the, the uh, widowers. Yes, they're cute. They're yeah. so cute. And they're like, oh, this is Bob. And they're like, he's like 40 years younger than them. And they're yeah. like, what's he doing here? And he's like, oh, his wife's dead too. And they're like, oh. they're like oh yes okay sit down sit down and then grace comes downstairs with a shower cap on and her pajamas and right 
Yeah. So a vulnerable moment. Yeah. There's a lot of cute little things where, uh, yeah, the vulnerable, like any woman being seen by a guy she's attracted to like that. Oh my gosh. It would kill. It would have killed me. You know? Yeah. Not at her best. Uh, no, no. And he helps her in the garden. And, and they turn on cute music for them. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Like there's a lot of really awesome things that help him. Um, one thing, I mean, his wife does pass away and then probably a year or two passes that we don't see. Yeah. You know, and he's still trying to, he's on the verge of healing, but he's still moping around a bit. He's still cranky. His, his, you know, employees are treading softly around him still. Um, he is working on a project for his dead wife. Yeah. I was going to say ex-wife. And it's not until that, I mean, when he completes that project, he's able to move on as well. That's a good point. Like closing the door. Yeah. I mean, the the thing opens, Mm -hmm. it's like opening a door for his new life because he's really like a workaholic about the project and he's making everyone else miserable about it. And then he meets Grace and then he he starts to relax and everybody's like, what? That he works with is happy about that. Mm -hmm. And then... They have the falling out thing mm-hmm. when when he finds out about the heart and he's just but he's still he's not mad at about, that point. Uh huh. He's still focused on the on the job. He yeah. doesn't go back to being a workaholic or falling apart. You right. Know? Yeah. And he's not mad at Grace. Well, he kind of is. I guess for not telling him that she had it. Not really. He's more shocked and surprised. He yes. does not process it. Yeah. Because it's super weird, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I get it. Yeah. So, yeah, he just like doesn't talk to her, and then he. Tries to talk to her, but then she doesn't want to talk to him. And she goes to Italy. So, um, what is the inciting incident then? I'm losing a cell phone, I guess. Yeah, because I was like, that happens really far into the show. It does. Because I was like, at first, the death and transplant, no, because that happens regularly. And those people whose hearts get donated out, out, they don't end up, you know, with somebody. That's not an inciting incident. Yeah. So, yeah, I would agree. I mean, maybe his blind date, that's when they meet. That's the meet cute. You know, they meet, the but cell if he phone. hadn't lost his cell phone, they probably wouldn't have met again. Probably not. He, not he might have gone to the come, restaurant again. Maybe. He'd never been there before. Mm-hmm. So, maybe. But, I mean, they call and say, hey, come get your cell phone. And then he... um, I kind of think that it could actually be when he saw her filling the bottle with tap water. Because that's what sparked his interest in her. Um, that's true. And because if he hadn't been interested, he could have just gone to get the cell phone and then left, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he was interested. It was just why he, why do they talk more yeah. after the first meeting? Like, yeah. It makes him go back. Yeah. And he takes the opportunity to. Yeah. And his him. interest in her is like evident right off the bat. Yeah. He's not know? shy about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's the shy one, I guess. I know, man. he has some safe flaws Mm -hmm. what Uh, are his safe flaws uh he's a a disaster in the kitchen i guess it's a disaster everywhere in his whole entire personal life he's very messy yeah it's not that messy it's like fake messy because it's when after his wife had died that house was a wreck i I guess everything was all over like old food on the counter it wasn't as disgusting as like i don't know he's still fairly well to do so yeah he's got a beautiful house yeah, I know. So it's like two-day-old lasagna in the pan that it was cooked in. That's awful. Are you saying it could be worse than that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's not purposefully like throwing food around or no, 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 defecating uh, <laughs> on the carpet and not letting the dog do it either. So right. he's not like a slob completely. It's just like being behind on your chores. Like there's yeah. like laundry piled up, and he yeah. like will get around to it eventually. But... So what are her safe flaws? Hmm. Her know. insecurity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
She has a hard time telling him about her heart transplant. Yeah. I I mean, that's part of her. And then covering up the scar. Like, yeah. Which, I mean, I understand, but also... You're like, what's the big deal? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, for me personally, because it doesn't bother me personally, I don't think. No, you wouldn't. I mean, you've got scars that you're not, you're not self-conscious about. I've got them on my face. Yeah, I and if I had your scars on my face... Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Makes it sound like I'm a pirate or something like that. <laughs> yeah. No, um, yeah, women tend to be a lot more self-conscious about things like that, you know. Yeah. I probably, if I had a scar, by the way, her scar went way up high on her neck and having family members that have had heart transplants and heart surgeries, they don't generally go way up uh, to like yeah, your thyroid. Your yeah. <laughs> or like, did they go in through your mouth or something? <laughs> like you had to split it all No, they, it was like a tracheotomy, you know. They... Through, yeah. <laughs> They're like, you can't swallow it. It can't make it past your tongue. So we got to put it in through your throat. <laughs> yes. One thing that I like about this story is they've got, they put in little reader delights, you know, little kind of clues, like little foreshadowing things that will make readers love watching the movie. So for example, the gorilla's reaction to Grace, the first time they're in the zoo together, you know, when, when his, his old wife would go into the gorilla, the gorilla, they'd put their hands up on the glass next to each other. And when Grace goes in there for the first time, the gorilla does the same thing to her. And that's like, you know, that's, that's something that readers are and viewers enjoy seeing, you know? This, this movie is targeted to girls and that I love seeing that kind of stuff. And then also the dog's reaction, explain the dog. I mean, the dog is obsessed with his wife uh, yes. and won't leave the front door even a year after the right. wife has passed away. Yeah. And so the dog and the dog loves grace. Mm-hmm. So I mean, animals love this woman. They animals love that eat, loved the old woman. They love to eat her heart. I guess I, they smell it. I'm not <laughs> sure how this works. <laughs> It's, it's, it's magic, Nolan. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay, what was it that got her to finally tell him the truth? Uh, she found the letter she sent to her donor. That wasn't quite what got right. her to tell the truth. No, she broke up with him. It was her going to Italy. Uh, she was like, I need to tell you before I leave. Oh, Because yeah. she kept wanting to tell him the whole movie, and she never does until right before she goes to Italy. That's right, because he didn't know that she knew. Yeah. She just like... Yeah, basically blows him off. Yeah, she sobs. She and runs out. She's like, why? And he's like, uh, what's going on? Yeah, so she wrote a, a letter to the family saying thank you so much um, for the heart. And she finds it in his office when he sends her upstairs to get tickets to something or whatever. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's in my coat pocket or on and my she desk snoops. or something like that. And yeah, I was like, that's not his desk. What are you looking over there for? And then, <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I found the secret letter that I sent like 10, you know, a few years mm-hmm. ago. And then... Yep. Yeah. And then so she knows, and so she's like all a mess and then doesn't tell him why. Yeah. And I understand that. She has to process. She's an introvert. You know, yeah, she's no, well, it's super weird too. I mean, right? I mean, it's... Like, I sent this to you. Yeah. That would have been, I mean, that would have been too hard for her. She wasn't ready, you know? Yeah. No, it's weird. It's a weird coincidence. Yep. Anyway, um, let's see. I, that's pretty much all I want to discuss about the movie. Can we go on? Do you want to go on to trivia? Sure. Okay, so there's only three things of trivia that were interesting to me because the rest was, I mean, the movie didn't have a lot of trivia, like 10. Um, George Clooney was offered the role of Bob, and Hmm. my point on that is ick. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not a huge George Clooney fan, and I had a huge crush on David Duchovny all growing up because of X-Files. X-Files, yeah. Yeah, so I don't think, I I don't know, I just can't picture George Clooney playing Bob's part. Me neither. Yeah. Let's see, the this is 
I'm trying to decide if I should give the sad trivia next or the entertaining trivia next. Which do you want to hear? Sad. Okay. Sad. All right. So the wife who died from head trauma, nine years later, her actual sister died the same way and her heart was donated out too. Oh, tough. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I wonder how she felt, you know, my, I just, I played that part earlier. Art imitates life. It was bound to happen. (laughs) It's so sad. Um, And then this is kind of, I thought this was funny at the zoo, which this was filmed at an actual zoo. Uh, they put up a mailbox and the mailbox is fake and the production company had to guard it constantly because zoo employees kept putting their mail in it. (laughs) (laughs) So they're like, uh, it's never going to go anywhere. (laughs) We're probably just going to throw it away. We're not your mailman. (laughs) Anyway. Um, are you ready to give, uh, takeaways? Sure. Okay. Our children are screaming in the background. It's play screaming. I promise. We don't know that for sure. We can't. <laughs> I know I know their screams. <laughs> I'm more worried about our stuff at this point. <laughs> yes, it's true. Okay, go ahead and give your trivias, your takeaways then. Takeaways, um, I mean, I thought a lot about it. I don't know. Um, like the scar thing just didn't make too much sense to me, which I guess it does to other people. But and I, I had really... I had to explain it to you several times, and you're like, I still don't understand I, why I she's really hiding time, it. <laughs> yeah, with it. Like, so you had a heart transplant. I don't... Good for you. You survived. Yeah. It's a trophy. Is that how you'd view it? Maybe not a trophy, but I don't know. I'd be glad. I'm I'm sure she's glad. I mean, you know, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe upbeat. I'm not sure how I would feel. Yeah. I just don't think I would be that guarded about it. So it felt weird to me. Well, you know my personality. You know I would not be guarded about it, right? Yeah. I'm an extrovert. I tell people when I'm, you know... Have when I've gone through stuff, and I need to share that stuff with other people. But how does that apply to um, writing? I, I mean, she was just so hung up about it. I don't feel like they told me why she was insecure about That's it. That's a just good that point. She was, yeah. Which I guess maybe you don't, but I mean, I, I don't know. It's just like that was just the personality they assigned her. So yeah, no, I agree. So in a book, they would you need to flesh that out. You need to give yeah, a good reason. Yeah, I didn't feel like that aspect of her character was fully realized. So it felt like it was just plot necessary, not well. Like they didn't give us, like you said, key details or key information. For... Yeah, it could have worked. Like like she was already self conscious about herself for some other reason, and it just kind of piled on or yeah. something. I don't know. I don't know. Like living seems like a pretty big deal. So the scar afterwards is <laughs> anyway. Okay, second takeaway. Second takeaway, um, I don't know, minority uh, sidekick. <laughs> the vet. The oh, guy. the vet, Bob's friend. Yeah. There has to be either a minority sidekick or the um, womanizing, philandering sidekick. <laughs> it's true. And in this case, we have both, which. Uh, You're right, he is a bit of a womanizer. Y- you can have stock characters. There's nothing wrong with having stock characters, it's a shortcut. Yeah. And in movies especially, you have to take that. Because you don't have the time to develop a... Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, even in ancient plays, they mm-hmm. had stock characters. Yeah. They'd have the same name, and you knew who it was. Okay, so explain they... that just in case nobody knows what you mean by stock characters. Um, like a like a cliche. I don't want to say... What am I, what am I trying to say? Like a, a stereotype. A stereotype. Not necessarily in a bad way, but a way that you're like, okay, here's the alpha male character, mm-hmm. you know, and... 
they would, you know, he would introduce himself and he'd have the same name in every play, even by different people. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because he's that person, you know, like, yeah. you know, that guy, yeah, that's yeah. the guy that comes in the door now and he does mm -hmm. this, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you don't have to give them backstory because he can't. Yeah. He can't really be, I mean, he's not the point of the movie. So why would he be three dimensional? Yeah. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's pretty darn cliche. So yeah. anyway, there's my nitpick about that. Yeah. So do it or don't do it. Do it well? I don't know. Well, you remember our comments on Sweet Home Alabama. I mean, Bobby is a gay character, and right. then her mentor is also gay, but her mentor feels like they did it, it's like felt fake, whereas Bobby was a real person that we care right, about. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, so I it, I don't know. Like, that character felt flat. Like, so he wasn't talking at a wall. Yeah. But he was supposed, like, is he not supposed to be? Because he's literally just somebody to talk to so he's not talking yeah and he, he does he's a plot device basically he's the he one is. who gets what's his face on a date you know yeah and he, he's the best friend plot device basically yeah. mm -hmm. i don't know i'm just making a note yeah i don't feel like this was particularly done well but did it really need to be i guess that's a question like you have to ask yourself when you're writing yeah like how much do you put into guard number five that's in the hallway you don't yeah. need his backstory he says hello sir like that one's unless you're robert jordan and then they have a whole conversation, yeah. <laughs> and then you do find about like what color his underwear is. Because he might be a POV character in a future book. You never know. And that actually is valid. I mean, in epic fantasy, especially, you thread those things in earlier so that people care about them later. Yeah, I mean, of course, yeah. Threading things is important. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Okay. I like those. I have three takeaways. I, I didn't mean to have three. I, I meant to only have two. I forgive you. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. So this is one of those those quotes that just made me go, aww. Um, I can't remember who it was. Oh, I think it was her grandpa said it to her, said it to Bob. He said, her heart was meant to be with you always about his wife and how it's with grace. And that was just like, ah, oh, you know, just like, I, I'm a girl. I just think that is so sweet, you know? So focus on the off factor, especially if you write romance. Uh, it, you don't need to make it cheesy unless that's what you're writing. Cause you know, romantic comedy can be cheesy and it's totally okay. But, but, um, Watch movies, read books, and pay attention to what's being said around you. Don't copy the movies or the books. Uh, come up with something original. But basically, but use them as inspiration to come up with. Uh, you want your romances to have awe in them, you know? You don't want it to be... Um, you don't want it to be a dry or flat romance. It's it got to have it, that. It has to have an emotional impact. Yeah. Yeah, and that was a very pivotal point because she tells him she's going to Italy. Oh, and by the way... Um, your dead wife's heart is mine now. And it's like, it's huge for him. You know, he's like, he does not know how to process it. And then her grandpa, like, you know, he, he's, he, um, what was it? He came to the restaurant to do something or, and she'd already left at that point. Her grandpa usually is bumbling and he says things that he shouldn't, but at this point he says the right thing. You know, her heart was meant to be with you always. And that's just, uh, I think it's, I think it's awesome. Okay, so your main character doesn't have to be drop-dead gorgeous. They do need to be attractive, though. Um, and I'm not a huge fan of Minnie Driver, but I think she's perfect for this role. Her personality. <laughs> Why are you laughing? You just hate her so much. <laughs> I don't. I don't hate her. I did make several comments throughout the movie. She is not my favorite person in the world, but I do think she's perfect for the role, you know? She's got the Italian look, which they needed. and Isn't she's she Irish? They're, I, her, they're maybe. Irish Italian. They're Irish Italians. Her, I mean, I don't they know. speak well, I mean, Italian. Do they? Yeah, and her grandpa's last name is O'Reilly. Yeah, because they're, they're it's an O'Reilly Italian. It's an Irish Italian restaurant. Yeah, because his best friend is Italian, and he's the. Guy is that she Irish? Maybe I missed that. I don't know. I just assumed she was old, Italian. Other old guy. But why is going to Italy such a big deal for her if that's not where she's from? 
I don't know. <laughs> you were having a hard time with that in the movie, too. Yeah, I was. I was like, like, why uh, is she going to Italy? Who, who cares about Italy? Why is it so important to her? We figured it out, but yeah, it's because she wasn't allowed to fly because of her heart condition. Yeah, until she got cleared by the doctor, and then she. But why her. Italy? I don't know. Why not? <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna go, so I guess it's pretty a pretty typical like That's, semester abroad. See, this thing is why to I do. assume that she's Italian because you know it, it's not a bad assumption. Cause, um, but she knows a lot of people from Italy because yeah. of her connections with her workplace and family. Yeah. The the point I'm making here is you people do need to feel like the main character is attractive. And I think Minnie Driver is attractive in her own way. Like I was telling Nolan, I like her eyebrows and I like her eyes, you know. I don't necessarily like the way they're arranged on her face. But that's okay. It's It doesn't matter, you know. Nolan's sitting here smiling at me. <laughs> it's okay. I feel like I'm offending all of our listeners. Okay, so you guys... You guys have actors. You you probably don't think David Duchovny is hot, okay? And I do. So <laughs> there you go. Nolan's shaking his head. Yeah, you're he right. I don't think he's hot. <laughs> I don't think Minnie Driver is hot either, so it's fine. But... You're not attracted. To... Well, this is a girls' movie, and I do think he's attractive. The opposite, and that's my next point. In that point, the opposite, the person who is fall in love with the bull, the guy basically in a romance. Okay. It's gotta be the guy. He has to be swoon worthy. Like in a romance, if the main, the main guy is not attractive, then you're not going to have a good romance. Readers need to know that the main guy that this chick is falling for is hot because that is a huge part of romance. That's a huge trope. Um, I have read a couple of romances where the main guy wasn't attractive and the girl still fell in love with him. That is very hard to pull off successfully. And the ones that I read were good, but I mean, um, what is it called? The book, um, it was about a guy who'd served and he came back and he was covered in scars. Um, uh, I told you about that. It was a long time ago. I read it. I'm trying to remember. Um, Anyway, she had already fallen in love with him before, and so and she knew he was very attractive before, but when he came back, she was still in love with him and still loved his personality and who he was. So there are exceptions, but generally you're going to have to work harder to make them work if your main character is not swoon-worthy. Okay, so this is a this is my last takeaway. This is a perfect example of starting a story with a heartbreak. So if you have a tragedy happening, happen where like a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever it said her dies or breaks up or leaves them, you have to have it happen in the beginning so that readers have time to see the emotional arc and believe that it is possible for him to, or her to fall in love with the new person. So you want to catch them on the upswing, like they've hit rock bottom. And, and you, just, you show rock bottom. They're just show, They're just right at that turn. Yep. Or they climb yeah. out of it. So this movie, we see the heartbreak. We see how happy he is with her. And then she dies, and then a year passes, and we don't see that whole year. It's like a Sleepless in Seattle, too. They do start with, like, the funeral. Yep. But then they advance time, like, right away. Yep. To where he... He's moved. He's done. Right. And then it's... Then he's, like, trying to date again. Yep. Just so, basically, once... They do show that... They don't show the funeral in this one, but they spend a very short time on it in Sleepless in Seattle. They just... Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. one quick scene at the beginning, and then they advance time, basically, to where this movie picks up yeah because the point of these romances is not the relationship with the person before the point is to show normal and break it you know establish normal then break it so that you can have your new romance happen faster so that because that's where we're going to be invested we want to have time to emotionally go along with the character All right and this isn't a story of loss no otherwise we'd be spending more time on that first part yep and I did read, I, I did beta read or read a book recently where the main 
character's husband doesn't die until halfway through the book. And the and what bothered me about it was the main character was flirting with the brother before the husband died. He wasn't, I mean, her husband kind of was cheating on her. He wasn't a good guy. But the problem with that is that makes your main character become a floozy, basically. You want your main character to have values and standards. If they're cheating while they're still married, while it's the not other a person's romance. cheating, then it's not that much of an you know, they're not, No, if they die, then it doesn't make a big they're impact They're not a nice either. person that you want to live happily ever after at the end. Exactly. So, and so she was kind of flirting with the brother and we know she's going to end up with the brother, but she was still married and it was kind of, it was, it was frustrating. Have your tragedy happen towards the beginning so that we have time to root for the new interest, love interest. And that's pretty much it. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. And that these apply to any, any, even if romance is just a subplot, you know, you want to have the, the character be attractive that they're chasing, you know, and, um, tragedies need to happen. you got to, you have to show the emotional arc. You can't just have a romantic side plot where they fall in love at the very end, right after somebody big dies, you know, I think that's pretty much it. Do you have any last things to say? No, I don't either. So people can find you on art with Nolan. Uh, on Instagram, mm -hmm. Twitter, or Facebook, but mostly Instagram. And you can email me at Andrea at selfpublishstrong.com or come to the BookBub Promotions and More group. And I think that's pretty much it for today. Okay. Okay. We'll talk to you all later. Bye. Bye.